Hi, this is Eddie Deason. You're listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall. I was Mandark in Dexter's Laboratory. Ha 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 ha. You are listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall on Realm of the Mist Entertainment. Hey, what's up, guys? Christopher Stolle back for another Breaking the Fourth Wall, and you know what? I'm thrilled to have this man on because I've had numerous conversations with him over Facebook Messenger, uh, phone conversations, a uh, very good friend of uh, the SJ Network, and uh, DJ out in California, Mod- Modesto, California, if I'm not mistaken. and Modesto, California. Modesto, California. Also musician, so, you know, kindred spirits right there. And, of course... For this channel, no surprise, huge Star Wars fan. I mean, if you, if you look at his profile picture, he's holding a Death Star, for God's sake. So, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mitta Goodwin. Mitta, how you doing? Hello, everyone. Doing well, doing well. Surviving the coronavirus. <laughs> I saw a picture uh, on Facebook, uh, a buddy of mine from, from wrestling. He had a uh, case of coronas in a, in a shopping cart right next to Virus Vodka. He said, I found the cure. <laughs> All right. I didn't know there was a such thing as virus vodka, but I didn't either. <laughs> I don't know if I would drink it. Um, all right, so yeah, I'm, we're we're not going to talk about vodka. We're going to talk about first and foremost here. You're a DJ. I definitely, I definitely want to get that out of the way. How long you been a DJ, and and who you been DJing for? Um, I started in college and did it a couple times, you know, over the years, uh, and then. You know, hung that up for a while and was promoting music, booking bands, playing in mu- bands and whatnot. And last October, I guess, end of October, I started doing an all-local show on uh, KCBP 95.5 uh, FM out here in Modesto, Modesto Community Radio. And that's been going on, I think, 16 shows under my belt. It's weekly on Monday nights at 5 p.m. I can't move. So tonight, and you can stream it live on kcbpradio.org, uh, five, five Pacific time. And then I have a ska show that I just started up last week, and it's on Tuesday nights at 9 Pacific time. And tomorrow I'll be doing pretty much my Irish kind of interpretation of ska, so bands from Ireland and bands from the Boston area. So flogging mollies and... Uh... Well, Flog and Molly are from L.A., so no Flog and Molly, but the Boston's, the Allentons, uh, Big D and the Kings Table, but, you know, tons of bands from Ireland as well, so uh, just kind of like, hey, might as well theme it since it's Tuesday night and it just happens to be St. Patrick's Day. That's true. So, expect- And then I, I do plan to get in, I guess it'll be next week probably, uh, an all-female-fronted ska show. I did an all-female fronted, all-female musician or fronted bands uh, last week for my local show because it is Women's History Month. So, well, see, I find that interesting because uh, I, I used to be an internet radio DJ. In fact, I worked for two different uh, internet radio stations. One was FuriousRadio.com, uh, and another one. Uh, most more recently, I did a show called Raise the Underground for. Uh, uh, 
RadioCastFM.com. Uh, unfortunately, RadioCast did not survive. Furious is still going strong, so power to them. But what I find interesting is I've done themes like that too, like women-fronted bands and all that. And, and quite honestly, the thing that caught my attention, I and maybe it's because I've never been that deep into the ska scene, I never knew there was female-fronted ska bands. I really didn't. There's quite a few, actually, yes. Quite a few. Um, I mean, I, I think it's like any genre. I mean, there's always going to be tons of female singer-songwriters. Uh, then you get, you know, you narrow it down, narrow it down, John White, but you, you had the selectors, Two-Tone, uh, Dorian Schaefer from the front of the Skylights for years, but there's uh, Half Past Two, there's Bite Me Bambi, so, you know, these are some newer bands. It's a nice band. And, and it's, you know, <laughs> Say Ferris had, had, you know, uh, female fronted. So they're out there. Sometimes you got to search for them a little harder. Um, and, and you know, I, I see that there's definitely, and a lot of the bands, wasn't. there's not just female fronted, you know, hey, the drummer's a woman or the trumpet player or the keyboardist, which is great seeing some of these bands incorporate even more women into the music because we all know that the music industry is pretty male-centric and has been forever, so it's nice to see that shift. You're, you're not wrong, but I, I do think, you know, a lot of bands come to mind that, that had, you know, maybe not female fronts, uh, but, you know, female band members, like I'm thinking, you know, things, again, I'm a rock and metal guy, I'm thinking things like Green Jello, Cold Chamber, uh, White Zombie. You know, just to name three off the top of my head where all of them were either, you know, percussion or bass. But uh, Well, and then, yeah, I mean, the Pixies, Groovy Ghoulies, uh, Smashing Pumpkins. So they're, they're out there. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we have Joan Jett and we have Lita Ford and, of course, the Runaways. I mean, the whole group was female. Uh, the Go-Go's. But uh, it is still one of those things where it's not... Uneven. And not that it has to be, you know, it's anything else. It's you want to do something, get out there and do it. Well, but I think it's important once, at least once in a while to showcase it. And I thought, why not do an episode where that's all it is? And hopefully some of these bands will get a little bit more recognition and maybe inspire somebody. Well, that, that you know, and that, that if, if, I, if I may throw a suggestion out there for your, your, your female uh, uh audience you know your 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 tribute to to, to uh, female-led bands i would highly recommend because one of the things i found with a lot of female musicians especially when it comes to like rock and and even the pop scene and everything else is uh <clears throat> they always wind up in some sort of category you know their music their their style their look it's always like fun pop or or uh heartbreak and loss you know so I would highly recommend for, for some of the ladies out there wanting to discover, like, a good, I don't want to use the term role model because some of her songs are really raunchy, but, you know, Break the Norm, if you will, is Liz Fair. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like, you think, I mean, one of the greatest female fronted, I think, just bands, Heart. Yeah, Heart. Just, you know, rock and roll bands, Heart. Uh and a Nancy Wilson. And that kind of broke the mold for a while, you know, because you had the guitarist, 
and the lead singer, both women, both sisters, but super solid, rockin' band. So it can be done, and it is done. And I don't think it should be, you know, the genre is not female-fronted. You know, that's the thing is, you know, and I've seen people do shows where it's like, hey, it's, you know, female-fronted, and it's like, yeah, but it's a rock show, or it's a punk show, or whatever. Right. Uh, But I think it is important sometimes to give that nod, you know, and uh, being Women's History Month, I thought, why not kick it off with that? Uh, kind of like it being, you know, my second show in is on St. Patrick's Day for the Ska show. This is Ska, so why not do an Irish theme show? Right. So yeah, um, that's that's awesome. And again, these are these are. You said Tuesday was the Ska. Uh, Tuesday nights are the Ska show. So basically, is it- at nine p.m. Monday at five p.m. is the all local show. Uh, okay. And it's bands from the 209. So uh, it's a, you know, I, I draw from a fairly big radius of, of bands and I go back. So there was a band called Matic Brothers and Rose that started in 1938, 39. Um, and they're in the Country Hall of Fame. Elvis Presley used to open up for them when they would come out here. Uh, and then there's Roddy Jackson, who was a 50s, you know, rock and roll rockabilly guy who. Paul McCartney, the Animals, uh, the Rolling Stones all covered his songs. So, you know, there is that legacy. Then, you know, newer band, Pavement, Granddaddy, Chris Isaac. So right. I, I try to do it. There's not a creation. We're a funk soul band from the 70s that did great. Uh, so there is a legacy here. Uh, the guitarist from Three Dog Night, uh, Mike Alsup. Not only from Modesto, lives in Modesto. So there, there's the, a nice amount of bands to draw on to keep it fresh and keep it interesting as well with the local scene. I'm not just playing current bands. I mix each show up, you know, curate the shows. That which I, I think people need to do because, you know, yeah, the modern music is, is what's hot and, and, and now for, for for particular people. But, I mean, you know... You always got to pay tribute to what paid, paved the way. Again, when when I DJ, exactly. when I DJed, I would I would have uh, particular nights where I just got in the mood to, I would play, sock uh, the sock hop as I called it, which which was just I would I would pay tribute to the fifties and sixties. It's what started rock and roll. Yes, you know. So you know, to to me, I always thought you know I want to expose people to more than what the. The, the mainstream media, if you will. I, I hate using that term, but, you know, the mainstream, the, where people get their main source of music. Exactly. You and know. that's kind of the the thing for me, especially starting the the local show, Modesto Area Music Show, was to give that representation. These bands are not being played on commercial radio stations. Uh, you might hear some of them on the college station, but it's a niche. And there's definitely not anybody digging deep into the history of the local music scene. And promoting music up here for 30 years, I have not only a pretty good collection of stuff from these bands, but I know stories, and I've met a lot of these people, and so I'm able to dig a little deeper, give a little bit more. <laughs> Where the hell were you when I was trying to get that going? The, the reason I named my show Raise the Underground wasn't because I was talking about like underground rock and metal per se. I was actually wanting to, to showcase unknown bands. 
Yes. You know, and I couldn't get anybody to send me a demo to save their life. Where the hell were you? How long ago was and, it and, that I did that? <laughs> and I, I will say, it's like, it's amazing. I've, I've reached out to people and said, like specific people asking for their stuff that have not gotten back to me. Uh, I have gotten lucky that people have uh, gotten got me music and are now especially getting into it. The Sky One, like I said, second show in, I have a ton of music that has been sent, sent to me. So I'm like, okay, this show is not being heard other than on streaming services. The radius is probably about 80 miles, so it's a pretty good broadcast range. Right. Tertiary, but it's still, most of these bands are not hearing themselves while they're driving down the street. Their parents aren't. But I'm getting them sent to me. Here's a local scene that it's their radius. This is this is a station they can tune into, you know, tune the dial and set it. And it's pulling teeth sometimes. So we shall see. Well, I mean, like you said, they can stream it online. So at least they do have that as well. Um, which, which is awesome guys. If you're from Modesto or the surrounding areas, you know, get, get in contact. Uh, there, there will be, uh, there will be links in the description down below. Uh, make sure you check them out. Get, get the music to Meta. He'll, he'll help you out, you know, give him some information. But again, I'm, I'm stressing Modesto and surrounding areas. Obviously it's not going to do any good to send your demo if you're from Ohio. Unless you're in a ska band, then, you know, send it to me. <laughs> But I also book shows, so, I mean, right now there's no venues, but uh, when people are backing up and the bars are back open and everything else, uh, you know, if somebody's touring through, they can get in touch with me, and, you know, if uh, I can put them in the right direction, I will. Well, see, you bring you bring up, you, you uh, segue perfectly to the, to the next round of questions that we can ask. First and foremost, I know you're a huge, huge Star Wars fan, and... <clears throat> And of course, all around general, you know, nerd. You you're, you're into the pop culture and and uh, the nerd culture scene very heavily. Am I correct? Uh, pretty much, pretty much. I grew up reading comic books and watching Star Trek, and then of course Star Wars and Space 1999, and you know, moving forward. So uh, I enjoy all the geekdoms. Uh, I do I do like to to say nerd, not even remotely dorky, because it's not. It's you know actually geek chic. Nowadays, so it's kind of nice that, uh, as they say, everybody has their 15 minutes. It's been a little bit more than 15 minutes for uh, the geekiness to be kind of cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you're into that stuff, this is the time to be living in. Oh, absolutely. You know, when we were younger, you know, okay, we had a cartoon once in a while, or there would be a movie, but it was not. Here's three movies, four movies, five movies in a year. And multiple and cross uh, the uh, board, so it's not just DC and Marvel. It's you know the independents are putting out TV shows and movies, and right. uh, you know books are are making it. And all these different aspects are all kind of coming in, and it's really kind of if you like it, it's great because there is so much. And I know a lot of people they get real picky about. Uh, their franchises, if it's entertaining, and that's always been my thing, especially with movies, if it's entertaining, I'm going to enjoy it, and I'm not going to dig too deep into the flaws, because I know with anything that's uh, supposed to be a moneymaker, which they're all trying to make money off of these things, that it's going to be altered. 
Right. So I'm not going to hate on it if it's not 100% my vision, because I know it's not my vision. It's somebody else's. Uh, so I go into it. I enjoy it. The ones that align closer to what my vision of that franchise is, I usually go back and see two or three times. <laughs> I know which franchise you're talking about. <laughs> well, you know, well, it's, it's, you know, I love the Marvel movies, uh, most of them. I haven't, you know, I've seen them all. Some I've seen more than once. The Star Wars movies, uh, you know, I've seen them all. And, you know, most I've seen more than once. All I've seen more than once, unfortunately. <laughs> well, not unfortunately. I, I love Star Wars. And, and when I when I say I love Star Wars, personally, I mean all of Star Wars. Yes, I'll even throw the holiday special in there. Although, I try to I try to avoid that thing like the plague, except for when I'm oh, really sitting down during the holidays. I watched it when it came out, and then, and then I saw it later, you know, on, on YouTube. And, you know, it's fun. It's ridiculous. And somebody was like, oh, I can't believe it. there's nothing good. I was like, um, it gave us Boba Fett. Yeah. Really? You know, that's when we first saw him. So, you know, we got to, you know, the Mandalorians. If you like Mandalorians, you got to, you know, you can't hate on the holiday special. And just remember, Life Day is canon. Yes. <laughs> yes, right? You know, so. But, uh, yeah, the, 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 segue, the segue from the music where you were talking about that you would, that you, uh, <clears throat> That you, you, you do promote bands and put on shows and stuff like that. Uh, and that's what segued into the geek, uh, the, the geek chic, as it were, the geek culture. Yeah. Is that you do get involved in a lot of uh, uh, cons and, and uh, put on your own uh, particular, uh, for lack of a better term, festivals? Yes. Uh, well, so so uh, with that, of course, with Star Wars, uh, Modesto... Uh, is not now the only, but the state of California has had made the proclamation last year, but uh, we were the first, and for years, the only city that this had a proclamation making May the 4th Star Wars Day. And I helped write the proclamation. The city uh, council voted on it, and it became a... Uh, it, was, it was weird because it, by the time they actually voted on it, it was the 3rd of May. So we just went to a bar the next day and dressed up in costumes and drank, you know, blue, white Russians with blue food coloring in it and, you know, had fun. <laughs> Since then, we do a big event in downtown Modesto on the classic American Graffiti Cruise, uh, which George Lucas used to drive. And we get a bunch of people dressing up. We have the bands playing. We get the local high school bands to do... Uh, John Williams songs and uh, the 501st and the Rebel Legion and all the different fan clubs come out as well. Uh, when we're able to, we get a Star Wars or Star Wars adjacent movie shown at the theater that is right there. Uh, the first year we had Spaceballs, nice. which was fun. And a lot of people had never seen it on the big screen, so that was fun for a lot of people. But it's has actually over the year grown and you do hit the people who go, why is it a Monday this year? Well, because it's the 4th. You know, Valentine's Day, Halloween, St. Patrick's Day, it falls on that day. Right. So, you know, uh, I'm a purist in that. And then I also do a show yearly in June called Graffiti Con, and it doesn't have anything to do with tagging. It's 
based on American Graffiti, right? which George Lucas wrote and was his big first movie and was able to leverage that into doing Star Wars. And so we mix classic cars with pop culture. And so it's everything you would expect at a small to medium Comic-Con, pop culture convention, uh, special guests, uh, comic vendors, artists, comic artists, pop figures, old classic toys, records, all that stuff, and then a classic car show. Uh, see, you, you, I almost see a theme. Like when, when you said, when you said, uh, you know, devoted to American graffiti, but at the same time, it's also pop culture. The first thought I came to mind was seeing like the old classic cars, like you saw in American Graffiti, and people cosplaying as like Archie and his gang. And I don't mean well, the Riverdale. Have, I don't mean the Riverdale CW <laughs> show. I mean like the original Archie no, no, gang. We, We've had, we've had some people dress up uh, uh, retro, and what was cool was uh, the first year, there was a family that came out, and they did uh, Greaser Star Trek. So they had black jeans, and they had red, blue, and, and yellow shirts with the sleeves rolled up with the cigarettes, you know, that whole thing, you know. And then uh, also we had people come in, and they had, you know, uh, poodle skirts, you know, so we either had R2-D2 or... BB-8 or those kind of things. Uh, so it is, has been kind of neat where you, we have... Oh, and then there was somebody who did Vikings, but they were all like 50s greaser Vikings. <laughs> so so I love it when somebody comes in and we actually... There was somebody who brought out their Corvette and they did it all Ratfink style. They had a, you know, Ratfink drive in it and all that. So seeing those things really kind of... Uh, marks it up. And there's a guy who has, he's a big Spider-Man fan. His 19, I think it's uh, 64 uh, Riviera, all painted with Spider-Man murals on it. Oh, nice. So there's the Modesto Arch, which is Water, Wealth, Contentment, Health, and that's on the back and Spider-Man swinging underneath that. And then like one door panel has Venom and Black uh, Cat and the Green Goblin and that kind of stuff. And he has a spider web, you know, uh, custom uh, steering wheel and all these little details in it. And so it's really neat to see that. There's another guy who has his Superman VW bug. And so seeing those nerds come out of the woodwork that are car guys but also love the comic books. Uh, there was somebody who had their, uh, it was a Hulk car. They had it all purple and, and green. Uh, that's really neat to see, and it adds to the flair. And every year we're hoping to see more of that come out. The longer we do it, I'm sure we we will get it. Well, the Hulk car, I'm hoping because I it, I don't know why, but it popped in my head. The Hulk car, I hope, was an old Woody. And the it Woody... wasn't, but uh, it was a a uh, Charger. Oh, okay. <laughs> or a Dodge Charger muscle car. Now, see, I would I would have done the wood I would have done the woody and the wood panel would be the uh, would be the purple and everything else would be the green you know so that that would be my thought that was I don't know yeah. why it was the first thing that popped in my head <laughs> oh wow but it sounds great and, and what what day uh, I, I know you said in June but uh, what was the exact June twentieth this year June Saturday 20th. June twentieth and uh, where could people go to, to get information about these these cons, like the, the Graffiti Con or, or obviously what Methes uh, Methesto does for May the 4th? 
uh, May the Fourth Be With You on Facebook, uh, GraffitiCon two hundred nine on Facebook or any social or any uh, social media, and then we also have the website graffiti-con.com, and there's actually a page for the May the Fourth event on there as well. Nice. Mm, excuse me. Dinner's talking back. No, that, that's that is awesome. I mean, how do you? The, the, the big question is. Is how did you get into all of this to begin? I'm, obviously, I, I I know the backstory. You know, the typical backstory is uh, you were a kid who read a lot of comics and watched a lot of movies. You know, we we were all there. You know, but yeah. how did you how did you get your hand into DJing and and working with locals and and deciding that you wanted to get involved with things like a car show, pop culture car show, and and you know, really kind of fighting for, for Star Wars Day. Well, with the uh, DJing, I just thought it would be fun. So, at uh, at the college, Turlock, University of Turlock, uh, or Cal State Stan- California State University Stanislaus in Turlock, they had a radio show program. And so I was like, I want to do a show. And right. they let me do it. And then I moved away and came back, and they, I talked to them to let me do it again. And then, uh, at that point, uh, at a certain point, they were like, "Okay, you're not a student here anymore. We're going to have to let our students have this your hour." Yeah. Like, okay, I understood. And then a few years later, I moved up to Stockton, and while I was in Stockton, you know, work. I did a lot of live music, but I wasn't DJing. You know, that that opportunity wasn't there, and so, like I said. Recently, when the opportunity at KCBP opened itself up, and they were looking for somebody, I was volunteered. I was like, I don't, I don't need to get paid for this. If you'll let me do what I want to do, I'm more than happy to do weekly shows. Right. So that's pretty much was that. Just a love of music, uh, booking music. Pretty much started I, when I moved up from LA to Modesto the first time. I had friends from school that played in bands. Well, to get them to come visit in the summertime, I put on shows. Okay. So they'd drive up, play a show, hang out for a few days, drive back home. So that was initially, and then they had friends who, oh, what did you play on your tour? Oh, we did this and this. Oh, who did it in Modesto? So after a while, it just became... Uh, I wouldn't say fourth, but it just... You know, more and more bands were hitting me up that were friends with other friends of mine. And it just, over years, became a working hobby. And I did it 30-plus years, still do it now. And, uh, you know, it's fun. And you get to meet a lot of people and help a lot of people out. So that was always something. I always loved music. So regardless of the style, as long as the people were good people i was more than happy to help them out well you you mentioned you mentioned you know obviously your your love of music and and you've always had a love of music but you also mentioned that you were a musician um first off of course what do you play and second off which came first was was it the dj that led you to discover writing and performing your own or was it the opposite that led you down down that road musically i i i was I, 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 I almost don't even say that I'm a musician, I'm a performer. Uh, when okay. I was in high school, I played bass, 
uh, and I played in a couple different bands in, in high school, and uh, that was fun. And then later I was given a valve trombone. So, and I will say the best lesson that was ever told me was a guy said, you hit a wrong note, you, most people won't notice. You hit two bad notes, other musicians will notice. You hit three bad notes, you're playing jazz. <laughs> so I took that to heart. And then there was also there's a quote from Miles Davis. Uh, I believe it was Miles Davis. might have been Coltrane who uh, said, you practice, you work, you, you, you put years into your craft, then you throw it all out and you do whatever you want. <laughs> so I decided to jump to the end and just throw it all out and do whatever I want. So currently... Uh, the band that I've been in for two two plus decades is called Novocaine, and I play brass and woodwind in it. And we're a jazz, freeform jazz noise combo. And so it's kind of mother mothers of invention meet Sean Zorn. Okay. I love playing it. Some people enjoy listening to it, and that's okay because it's more for me to just get out and perform. So. Occasionally we record, occasionally we uh, uh, perform, and, you know, as long as it's something that we're having fun at, you know, we just keep doing it. There you go. Maybe I could talk you and, into a single to put on the end of this episode. Uh, we do have a few things. I'll, I'll send it your way. No problem. And if you play it, great. If you don't, that's fine, too. I'll throw it right on the uh, end of the episode. I don't mind. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'll send you a couple things, and then you have uh, stuff to choose from. But yeah, it's been it's been fun. Um, but yeah, that was that was just something that continued from, I guess at a you know somewhat young age. And uh, I played in a few bands that almost made it, but uh, there was a band Blaze that I played bass in, which was a stoner metal band back in the eighties, uh. and they all moved to L.A. And I could have gone down after high school. They invited me down, but I really didn't want to be in the band. I was in the band because I was friends with the guys, and they needed a bass player. And their bass player quit after they got signed, and it never went anywhere. But who knows? It could have. And they said, hey, come down and, and play on the recording. And I talked them out of it. It was like, I don't plan on staying in your band. It would be better for you to get somebody else. Right. That actually wants to be in your band. Uh, then I was in a band called 23 Skidoo, and Mercury Records wanted to sign us, but by the time they found us, we'd already broken up, oh. and me, the guitarist, and the drummer had all talked about continuing on. It was my, my name, and you know, most half the songs were our songs, so we could have, but I was like, it's kind of a jerk move for us to reform without them, and I don't want to play with those guys. I, I know how you feel with that. Uh, my, my last band, Disillusion Purity, which was a band out of Colorado, uh, we were we were building popularity quickly. I, I wouldn't say we were we were ready to make it, but I, I think we were on our way. And unfortunately, I moved back to Philly, and I did have their permission to reform Disillusion Purity out here with new members. But it, it felt like, set, and I, I started work on it once I got settled back in Philly. I started work on it like, yeah, I'm going to go back, get Disillusion Purity going. We got the songs, keep them alive, blah, blah, blah. And it felt like such an Axl Rose move. 
It's it's like yes. I'm I'm trying I'm yes. trying to Guns N' Roses without Guns N' Roses. No, I, I can't do this. <laughs> and that was that was kind of our thing, which is I don't want to be that guy, and I, you know, it it it, it, it the timing wasn't right then, you know. Right. We missed that. We missed that. And totally could have done it, but it wouldn't have been the same. We would have found some new players, and it would have sounded close to what we did, but it wouldn't have been the same, and it would have been totally selling out just doing it to get that contract. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since it was kind of my band, uh, the the inception of the band was mine, uh, the guys were just, okay, let's hold off. We did another band, a couple of us, and we ended up, because we were waiting, we wanted to, to not go out and just be that opening band again because right. we always start fresh so we're like you know all of us had played in bands and had gotten different levels of success and so we decided to do a band called Los Diablos del Mar and the whole concept was we were from Argentina okay. none of us was from Argentina but <laughs> you always see that band from Germany Sweden whatever and they got the main support spot on a on a bill nobody knows who they are but because they're from another country they get put on right before the headliner. Okay. So we decided we would be from another country. <laughs> and so we made, you know, I did screen printing for a while, so we made merch up, and we got people that we knew at shows to do shout-outs to the band so that we could start building that hype as we practice. And uh, AFI and Google's and Youth Brigade and Swing Utters and all these different people are doing shout-outs to other shows. And people are hearing the name, and the buzz is going. And by the time we're, you know, almost ready to do it, you know, guys get, you know, have to move from work and different things. So it's kind of like the concept was great. If we could have executed a little bit sooner, I think we would have done great. But uh, time wasn't on our side. Jeez. But it was fun regardless. You know, it was fun going out and and building the hype. Well, see, I. And then I had a. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I had a friend who actually asked me if he could use that, and said they were from, I think, Norway, and uh, created a band that uh, they did. They played like five shows, and they were great shows. They were all musicians, and they were moving away from San Francisco, and so they they decided to change the band name and rebrand themselves and do what we did. And they booked the band at these different places. And whatever place, if, if they knew the owner, they were filling in. Hey, yeah, the the, scene, you know, the bass player couldn't make it, so I'm filling in on bass on this tour. Right. So if, if that was that, I was like, and it worked for them. You know, they did like six shows, opened up for the Donnas, opened up for I don't know who all else, but they were all like pretty big shows at legitimate venues in San Francisco and Oakland and whatnot. And then they just moved their their separate ways, and I was like, crazy. You know, it's like sometimes the the hype works, and definitely the story. The story is part of it. Well, see, one of the things one of the things that that that, uh, I was thinking of. I'm I'm a a person who's always a thinker, so you know, apologies for the way my mind works sometimes. 
there was a time where I wanted to put on an, an uh, like a festival, like an Ozfest or or a you know Lollapalooza or a Woodstock, uh-huh. if you will, but only unsigned, up and coming local original bands. Well, original musicians. I, I wasn't even going to yeah. limit it to bands. Like, the, remember when I told you I had an internet uh, radio show called Raise the Underground? Yeah. The, the name originally came from the festival I wanted to create called Raise the Underground, where I was going to invite people. I didn't care what genre of music you played, whether it was country, rap, uh, rock, punk, whatever. You know, come showcase, because this is for you guys. You know what I mean? Because I, especially in this day and age, and I'm sure you can agree with me on this, uh the live performing original band is kind of a lost art. Um, it is. It is. It's true. I remember in Colorado, we were supposed Disillusion Purity was uh, scheduled to, to perform uh, at the X Saloon, uh, which is a big venue for for local acts in in Colorado. Now, what made this so extra special is that we were getting New Year's Eve. How many bands would kill for New Year's right? Eve? Right. We were getting New Year's Eve. We were all about it. We were selling tickets. We were, you know, hyping the hell out of it. We were going everywhere and promoting shit. Dude, we got New Year's Eve at X Saloon. A week before New Year's Eve, they canceled us for a fucking DJ. Oh. Oh, yeah. It was, it was horrible. It was hard. And, and unfortunately, that's what's going on in in the, the local scenes anymore, uh, is that... Really, the only places bands could play is things like Battle of the Bands, which are few and far in between anymore. You know, uh, there there is no real places for them to go to do an open mic night or or God forbid. Yeah, it's harder, especially especially for. I mean, if you're a, a cover band and you're doing two to three sets and you can fill up the night, different story. You right. know, there's lots of dive bars that will will do that, but as far as original content, it's a different thing. And because the venues are gone, that was kind of the whole thing with the radio show was the venues aren't there like they used to be, so how can I expose these bands to that audience again? So that was part of it. You know, talking about the festival, we I was part of what was called the Central Valley Indie Music Festival that happened for about five years. And the whole thing was cross-genre, didn't matter the genre, as long as you were unsigned or if you were signed, it was an independent label. And... Right. That was it, and how we did it as it was kind of like south by southwesty. Uh, it was in the county, so Merced, well, actually, you know, in the 209, Merced up to Stockton, Tracy up to Sonora in that area. Uh, so a pretty far radius, Modesto series, whatnot. And I think at one point we were in 12 or 13 different venues over four or five counties. Nice. All in the same area code, and that was the thing. It was like, if it's in the area code, we can do it at that venue in the area code. Let's do it. And, you know, half a dozen promoters working as a collective group uh, doing shows, and some had great crowds. Some had, you know, 20 people. And it all kind of depended on who the band was and what night of the week it was. But it was fun. We did it. Got it up to 10 days, I think. So, like a fr- Friday, Thursday or Friday to the following Sunday. Nice. A week later. And uh, kind of wish it was still going. But the person who brought it initially had a kid and, you know, 
ended up going a different direction, and same thing. Some some people decided were tr- thinking about trying to t- keep it on, and I'm like, the heart of it was Anastasia. If she's not part of it and not giving the thumbs up, then it should end. You know, right. That was my opinion. So I walked away at that point. I think they did a kind of a six year, but not really. You know, I think they did a couple shows, and that was it. Well, would you a ever consider? Later. Would you ever consider doing an, another festival, even if it was a day festival with one stage? You know, I, I've done a few things like that. It's a lot of work, but uh, if the right venue and everything kind of came together, uh, always down to to try to work on things. So, one of the things I've done since the venues aren't there, uh, I book a few like. Multi, I mean, it's almost like a festival. One thing we do is called a patio fest, and uh, 10 spots in downtown Modesto we book music at, and then we do a few wandering musicians and encourage people to go down, you know, check out different bars and restaurants and listen to music. And then we do another one called the Sampler. Actually, patio fest is 19 different patios, so all the patios that want to be involved, and then the Sampler is 10 bands and three wandering musicians. And those have both been fun. And then we do something where it's 22, 23 weeks. Starts in May, ends in October. Every Friday, we do music in the plaza in downtown. Book a different band or sometimes two bands to perform between 7 and 9. Okay. Well, the, the, so. the, the original idea for Raise the Underground is I was going to get in contact with Parks and Recreation and have it Always out. a good idea. And have it as an outdoor show. Right, right in a public park. Yeah. Oh no, no. I mean, that's a great idea. Uh, we did a thing. I did a thing actually at a, a rec hall for a couple of years. It was Seaford Center in Stockton, and we did it the first ride every month. We did like a four or five band bill, and then uh, we did a few things at Weber Point. It was Weber Fest, and got oh, that was a massive undertaking. We had two to three stages. Some out of town bands, but a lot of local bands, and it was fun. A lot of work. Uh, at the end, the return is not much in it, but it was still a lot of fun. And you get a bunch of people exposed to a, a, a massive amount of bands and musicians, and you know different genres. So it was definitely worth it for that. Well, that that that's where I was going to go with it. It was, uh, you know, I remember, especially again, most recent memories is dissolution purity. I remember having a conversation with my uh, bassist because uh, we did a lot of battle of the bands, and at the time we were there, it's like two thousand seven ish. You know, um, it wasn't that difficult to find, you know, shows to go on that weren't battle of the bands, but. You know, he ne- he never understood why why I was booking constantly to battle the bands, and I told him I said because there are people here to see this band, there are people here to see that band, there are people here to see that band. Well, that's why we never win because they're there to support them. They're going to cheer for their friends' bands. I said you're right, and I don't care about winning. Well, why don't you care about winning? I said, well, very simple. I'm not here to try to win five hours studio time. I'm here to win new fans. What do you mean new fans? They're here to support their bands, right? Yeah. But they're still here to hear us. And if I convert one person to say, hey, that band's pretty good, 
that's free fucking promotion. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Uh, and the reason, <clears throat> oh, the, reason yeah. the reason I bring that statement up because uh, we are getting close to the wind up time here on the show. Unfortunately, uh, what I wanted, to, what I was saying, uh, was going to lead into the question here of what would you, what advice would you give aspiring musicians? Uh, definitely, the, the I think the most important thing is perform live. And I don't care where you're performing. If it's if your friend works at a coffee shop and they let you play there, perform at the coffee shop. If it's a laundromat, I've played laundromats, I've played coffee shops, I've played bars, uh, everything you know, parks. If you can play there, play there. And because you're not going to get any good performing live unless you're performing live, and you you don't really know how the songs affect people until you play them to those people. So you can think you sound amazing and think these songs are the best, but until you actually get that crowd re- response, it's it's not tested. So you need to test these songs. And the whole point is you're creating this stuff to expose to people. And definitely try to play outside of your area. You know, if you can... You know, I understand it's hard sometimes to go on a tour, but you can go 30, 60 miles away and play a town. Make, meet friends, trade shows. You you give them the, the guarantee if it's 50 bucks, 100 bucks in your town, and they do the same for you. It pays for your gas, and you're going to create new fan base and what they used to call a following where people will actually drive to see you play somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, make it worth people's while to actually want to see you and you know try to come up with something that is unique you know why should somebody like your band as opposed to any other band you know uh, I'm not a huge fan of Slipknot but I understand why people like them you know it's like Kiss had a thing Devo had a thing right Alice Cooper so Ozzy Osbourne you know show up and look like a band you know, and you know the Ramones. They had a look. Mm-hmm. It was simple: jeans, leather jacket, you know, square cut, long hair. Boom! People saw them and they knew. Okay, those four guys are together, and they're probably a band. <laughs> you see people nowadays in jean shorts and a t-shirt. You know, not even the band shirts don't even represent what the band's doing. It's just four, four or five guys with different band shirts on. Right, you know, wear wear black shirts. Wear wear a design that does it. You know, wear primary colors, whatever. But do something that when people see you, they remember you. Now, one of one of the first performances, I was dressed in uh, ripped jeans and and a dissolution purity shirt, and you know, every everybody had like a trench coat or something like that on, except for my bassist. He was dressed in a white tux. They remembered the white talks. <laughs> yeah, that's his thing, and that's what was the thing. I mean, you think about it, it's like, you know, uh, cheap trick. You know, you got the, the you know, Rick Nielsen wearing the sweater and the, as the checkerboard, you know, guitar and the weird baseball cap. Okay. Oh, look at, look at you Angus know? Young and ACDC. Everybody right? remembers him jumping around in the, uh, the, the, the schoolboy school, uniform. School uniform. Yes. <laughs> you know, so at least, I mean, and that, it became the, 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 the image that it it stuck, and he, uh, you know, for good or bad, had to live with it for the rest of his his career. 
but it's been something of a career. And I'm sure he's crying all the way to the bank about oh, it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, uh, you know, if you have something that they would walk away and they remember. And then if you can have something that your fans can take home with them, even if it's a button. You know, but if you can record two or three songs, burn them onto a CD, or have something where they can, you can give a card to them where they can do a digital download so they can get home and go, oh, yeah, I like that band. They download your songs, and then they can share them with people. That's where you're going to start increasing that fan base. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Meta, this is this has been an absolute pleasure, and I'm, I'm definitely going to, you know, with your permission, of course, I'm definitely going to have you back on. Thank uh, you. Because I, I don't even feel like we've touched the surface of, of the well of knowledge and experience that you have. So we, we definitely got to have you back on, just a, a continuation of the story. But, Sounds uh, good to me. But uh, before we go, is there anywhere you want to promote so people can find you, contact you, check out the things you're doing? Uh, floor is yours, sir. <laughs> uh, well, Beat Happy Music is my production and, and uh, was my label. Uh, so you can find me on the, the interweb, Beat Happy Music, or GraffitiCon on, like I said, GraffitiCon 209 on all social media, or May the 4th be with you. <coughs> and then, you know, my name. If you Google me, you'll find me, because there's not a lot of meta good ones out there. That's that's true. <laughs> and of course, guys, here at Realm of the Mist Entertainment, if you enjoyed this podcast in any way, uh, make sure you hit that thumbs up button, like, share, comment, subscribe, check out all the other great uh, podcasts of Realm of the Mist Entertainment, and of course, our sister channel, Sounds Dicey Gaming, for your tabletop con uh, RPG content and video game Let's Plays. And if you prefer your podcast in audio-only format, of course, you can find Realm of the Mist Entertainment on places like Anchor.fm, Spotify, Pandora, Apple, iTunes, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. Mita, again, thank you so much. This has been thank an you. absolute blast. And guys, we will catch you on the next Breaking the Fourth Wall. Have a good night. <laughs>